Welcome to the Priority Now podcast, encouraging women to become better disciples of Jesus. Priority Now is hosted by Carmen Halsey of the Illinois Baptist State Association. Hey ladies, this is Carmen and welcome to this week's Priority Now podcast. I am super excited because Miss Mary Jo Sharp is with us this week. Good morning, Mary Jo. Hey, good morning. So glad to be with you. Oh, we are glad you're here. Um, ladies, a lot of you met uh, Mary Jo Sharp. She was with us a couple years ago at Priority. Uh, many of you have done some of her Bible studies, and I know um, I've had so much feedback over the time that she was with us that she just really got a lot of you guys thinking. So for the ones that don't know Mary Jo, Mary Jo um, is co-founder of Confident Christianity. It's an apologetics ministry, and also, I believe, still assistant professor of apologetics yeah. at Houston. Super. Yeah, yeah, eight years now. Wow, wow. Well, Mary Jo, if you'll start, a lot of people don't know your story. So if you'll just start by sharing a little bit about you and, and, um, and your testimony for our, for our friends listening, and then um, go ahead and unpack, what do we mean by apologetics? Sure, yeah. So um, a little bit of my background, it might turn into a little bit more than a little bit. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> okay. uh, I used to be, uh, I used to be atheist. Um, I wasn't the kind of person that was hostile to Christians. I wasn't the kind of person that was a studied atheist. I was a person that was raised without belief in God and uh, without church in my life. So I you know, didn't know what God was for or why people needed him. Uh, pretty much, uh, I was raised in a part of the country too that was, is considered post-Christian, uh, very post-modern culture, very relativist and in, in the Portland, Oregon area. And so I, I wasn't raised with this sort of sense of cultural Christianity. And I bring that up because for a couple of reasons, because I have lived in the South um, for about 20 years and my name's Mary Jo. So people assume <laughs> that I'm Southern, raised in the Bible Belt, you know, like I have all that background, but I don't actually have any of that background. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I like to help people understand that, you know, uh, I had to be drawn to God because I didn't have that sort of. Christian upbringing that automatically gave me some ideas about what the, what is Christianity for and who is this God. But what I was raised with, uh, though my background was void of Christianity, I was raised with um, a, a great sense of awe and wonder at the natural beauty that was all around me. Uh, Carmen and I were actually talking before the show a little bit about um, Oregon and how I'm glad to be back here because I was raised by a father who just loved the great outdoors and he really taught me to appreciate that. He, I, he also taught me a lot about science, and uh, he, he watched a lot of Carl Sagan. So for those who don't know, Carl Sagan is a uh, great science popularizer, but he was also an atheist. And so he was very much a proponent of both um, this idea of science is the way forward, right? And, and, having, and he did that from an atheist perspective. So these were areas that sort of like profoundly impacted my youth and um, I think over the years, the the sense of natural beauty that was all around me and not just the natural beauty, but the the beauty that I saw through the arts and the sciences. I was also a musician. I grew up, I'm a band kid. I grew up in band. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a saxophonist, just like my dad. And so I had this, I had these amazing experiences of creating beauty inside of a really good high school band program. And I think that that sense of like, what is this for? You know, we're creating all this amazing beauty, but what is it for? And those areas impacted me to the point of uh, making more, me more receptive towards discovering what was behind all of it. And what's the meaning of all of this? Is it, we just live and die and that's the end of it. Um, 
And so about the time that I started thinking that way, which was my senior year of high school, junior, senior year, I had a high school band director who was a Christian who hadn't shared his faith openly before, and he was burdened for me. So he took the risk of witnessing to me uh, as my as my band director in the public schools. And that the, the fact that he took the time to talk to me and give me a Bible, he, he didn't say much. He said, when you go off to college, you're going to have hard questions. Mm-hmm. I hope you'll turn to this. And I, I respected him. I actually went off to college to become a music educator and teach music in the public schools. So this was a person that I really wanted to become like. And when he witnessed to me, it really changed things for me because I actually began to read the Bible. And in reading that Bible, I wasn't sure what I was going to find. But what I ended up finding was the, that source of all the beauty and goodness and truth that I was finding in the world through the arts and the sciences and my exposure to those things. Uh, I found that source behind all of that. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I didn't become a believer right away. Mm-hmm. I actually went off to college and uh, started going to church for the first time on my own to figure out, like, hey, what is this all about? And so as I was exploring those churches, I eventually found one where I, I heard a clear presentation of the gospel um, about the, the the fact that I was a sinner and that I was in need of a savior. And this started to make sense of everything that I was experiencing and everything I'd learned so far. And so I trusted Jesus as my Lord and savior. And, and that's sort of the background. And that doesn't get you all the way up to how I became an apologist. So we can go there if you want. <laughs> please, please do that. I think that's important for our, for our ladies. Sure. So, so that gets you up to the point where I've accepted Jesus. Uh, and then I'm going to say this sort of facetiously for everybody who's ever been in church for any length of time. Um, and then I met the church and <laughs> she's not, you know, I was drawn through beauty and goodness and truth and she's not always so beautiful and she's not always so wonderful or, or good or attentive to the truth. And, and in fact, the church has some serious problems, but see, I wasn't raised in the church, so I didn't know this coming into Christianity. So I had a sort of young naive idealism about who I was going to find in the church, that they would be the best people at searching for God. Um, I actually, uh, in my book that I wrote, Why I Still Believe, I wrote a, dis- I like, churches should have a disclaimer. They should have a disclaimer that says, like, like post a sign or place some fine print in the bottom of their bulletin. And it could say something like, church attendance may cause extreme discomfort. Side effects include, but are not limited to, hypocrisy, (laughs) doubt, (laughs) disillusionment. You just fill in the blank, right? Yeah. So there there were a lot of times in church that I asked hard questions about God only to have that issue skirted. Or there were times, like in in different situations, there were times I saw an opportunity for this redemption that I I was reading about in the New Testament, about the love of Christ and how we're supposed to greatly love one another. Uh, and that was actually supposed to be a testimony to the world. Uh, you see that in John 17, Jesus praying for us in the garden. And I, I'm not seeing that in the church. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm seeing patterns of behaviors uh, in believers' lives that sort of verbalized, I believe, in these high moral standards of God. But in action, they were overtly opposed to the teachings that I was reading about from Jesus, from Paul. So I experienced so much that didn't reflect the reality of God that I began to distrust uh, mm-hmm. first Christians. I began to distrust my fellow Christians that they really believed in God. Uh, and I began to distrust what they were teaching me. 
And then I began to just try sort of transfer that over to God, distrust of God. Is he really there? What did I really do? Did I really have an experience with him? And that's when I started into this pattern of like, I've got to find answers. I've got to find out why I believe this. And that led me into apologetics. I actually didn't know it was a field. I didn't go looking for apologetics. I just needed answers to questions. Uh, that were disturbing me because of my experiences in the church. And I landed in the field of apologetics. That's where I found my answers. Uh, so that was how I, I didn't mean to get into this field. Mm-hmm. I, I actually landed there looking for answers. I found a degree in apologetics. And at that time, I was trying to find a master's of music education because mm-hmm. I was a band person. Yeah. And it just totally changed my life and my life course. I ended up getting a degree in apologetics. Uh, speaking in apologetics, hosting a blog, I, all things I never meant to do. Mm. Well, we're glad that that's where God landed you because we're, we're all benefiting from that. And ladies in the, in the show notes, you're going to see links to Mary Jo's books and her blog and, you know, so that you can stay connected to her. We want you to connect to her and to be able to be able to follow her resources Mary Jo, I want to use that as a transition, um, and that's why I so appreciate you sharing your story and your journey, how you got there, because I do, I hear this a lot from women. Um, um, they do have questions, and they have deep questions, and they're just unsettled, and sometimes that, that you know, they, they, they have their faith in Christ, you know, they, but, but sometimes the foundation just shakes on them, and they find themselves doubting exactly what you said, is this real? Do, you know, was this just an, an emotion? Because they, they are seeking for answers to questions and oftentimes can't find them in the local church or or um, it's a shallow superficial answer you know that that's just not meeting that void of what they're and they're earnestly desperately seeking um, is that an experience with a lot of people that that you encounter actually yeah yeah that is and uh, it's it's sort of an, an unfortunate situation and there's some you know we could talk about some of the reasons why that happens and a lot of it has to do with um living the american dream and just trying to pay the bills and things like that we get busy um but yeah it is something that i see a lot and, and in fact not just one on one but you see it in the public light you see these guys who deconvert from these major christian rock bands and when you hear the kinds of questions they ask these are the kinds of basic doctrinal issues or basic philosophical and theological issues that the church has been wrestling with for 2000 years. But somehow these guys never were exposed to those ideas. Uh, and that, that makes me feel um, sad for the local church um, that, you know, there was a, one of the guys who publicly deconverted said that he'd never been exposed to the problem of evil. Now he didn't say it that way, but mm-hmm. he said like, there's so much evil in the world. There's so much suffering. And the church isn't talking about it. And I'm like, what? We've literally been talking about that and writing on it extensively uh-huh. and deeply for 2,000 years. So mm-hmm. where, where has he been? You know, where, where's the church been in this guy's life to go mm-hmm. deep with him on the issues that matter? So, yes, see mm-hmm. it all the time. One of the things um, um, Robbie Zachariah had, I, I can't, I'll just give Robbie credit. I don't remember which of his plans or which of his books. But he was talking about um, the gift or the the discipline. His word was the discipline of asking good questions. How truthfully it needs to be a spiritual discipline. And oftentimes we um, we, we don't we don't teach how to ask questions, or or I even think more the root 
how to, that it's okay to ask questions. And, um, you know, we love leadership coaching. You know, we do a lot of leadership development in our work that we do. And I'm like, those two things just come together so naturally. So I wanted to ask you, um, would you agree with him on that? You know, that that's something we should be teaching people that it's okay to ask questions and how to ask good questions. Um, and would you consider that a spirit, you know, a spiritual discipline? Yeah, that's that's fascinating. What I, I would consider it's not like a formalized spiritual discipline in the sense that we've actually mm -hmm. categorized it that way. But in the spiritual disciplines is the act of study and the study of God's word, getting to know who God is. Right. This is not the same thing as just spending time in prayer with God, you know, mm -hmm. the relational side. But the study of who is God, what do you believe? And so I think the questions, learning to ask questions about what you believe and why you believe it would fall under the spiritual discipline of that gaining knowledge of God, of that study of God. So I do agree with him. It's a spiritual discipline um, in that sense. Like it falls mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm. um, but you're, you're touching on so many good things because, you know, asking questions is so important because when you ask questions, you have to listen to the response that you're going to get be given. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I think as, as far as evangelism, evangelism has gone for a lot of us who are like Gen X and older, we weren't really taught to listen so well. We were taught to have answers mm -hmm. and, and to offer so much. So, but we're dealing with these, this generation that wants to be heard, right? This generation that feels unheard. They feel like their lives are spinning out of control. They have so much information coming at them at all times. And they get lost in it. They lose who they are. Their identity sort of lost in all this mess of knowledge. So um, one of the important things we currently about asking questions is not only do you discover what you believe, you help others discover what they believe. Helps them to uncover the truth of what they're seeking even. Mm -hmm. And for Christians, there are so many opportunities to share Christ because I've learned from asking questions and listening to people, which I think is another Another mm -hmm. discipline is listening. I don't know if we would call it a spiritual discipline. Mm -hmm. um, it would probably fall under the spiritual discipline of learning to listen to God. Because when you listen to God, you open yourself up to being able to hear others as well. Mm -hmm. um, but, but people are seeking, and they will tell you this as you ask them questions, they're seeking love, they're seeking acceptance, grace, security, healing, hope, happiness. They're seeking all these things that are actually found solidly in the Christian worldview and in a relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. And so we, we have a lot to offer, but we don't find, you know, what they're looking for because we're not asking the, the questions mm -hmm. to engage. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, I know some of my own experience, especially dealing with women, um, is that sometimes we're seeking so much for ourselves that that we may be talking to somebody else and we may be asking them the questions, but one of the reasons we're not hearing them, we're not listening, is because we're, we're, we're listening to the answers that's coming up in our own mind. And, you know, I think different things, you know, happen. Number one, we miss them. So we may miss an opportunity of learning what they believe or why to have an opportunity to share gospel. Um, to me, it shows that we still have a, you know, that 
I guess, I guess I'm all about discipleship, you know, with the, the women and developing these women leaders. And so that that's my thrill of having you here today that you can speak in and tell us how to go deeper in this area. But but back to what you were saying, sometimes I think we're asking the questions, but it, we're, it's more like group coaching. You know, OK, the question was <laughs> there and I really want to be about you, but I'm just so I can't get the thoughts to quiet down in my own mind because you're realizing, oh, I'm, I'm asking the question to myself because I don't you know, I don't have those answers yet. Um, um, I yeah. love what you said, though, that we're dealing with a generation, this younger generation, that wants to be heard. And um, that that's huge. I mean, that's huge. Just I think there's merit into just understanding the the um, the people that we're trying to reach. And I don't mean knowing what they believe as much as just what you said. Let's let's take the time and understand a little bit about our audience, you know, that God has positioned us to, to go after, because I think it can better position us to know how to ask questions or where to, you know, where to where to go find them. But Mary Jo, we had um, during our priority conference, I think it was Kimberly Sal was teaching. And one of the things that she was just talking in her in her um, illustration that she used, she said, you know, we tell people that every answer is in the Bible. But she says sometimes we go to the Bible and we look at it kind of like a table of contents, like um, I can't remember her exact example, but like, should I marry Bill? And the Bible's kind of <laughs> like, who's Bill? And um, but I do think that that when we, I think that's what we've been taught, or we think. That's what we've been taught. And I do, I know from experience, many women have found themselves disillusioned at the Bible. I'm holding up a book like it's the Bible. This is not the Bible. This is not the Bible. But um, they're disillusioned because I think they want to go to it like a table of contents, like topical. You know, should I marry? Should I this? Should I that? And um, the Bible. It, you know, it does develop those critical thinking skills and coming from a healthcare background, you know, somebody presents, you look at what's going on and you try to put all that together to find the root cause, you know, what is the problem? And, um, God has me fascinated with that right now. And I don't know if that's apologetics, but, but he just has me fascinated with that right now that we have not really identified the fact that we should be utilizing critical thinking skills let alone teaching how to use those critical thinking skills. And to me, that fits in this area of apologetics that, you know, give us, you know, to give us permission to teach. And so I just, I wanted to ask you to, you know, just speak a little, however you want to talk about that, just talk a little bit about that, that for me, because the more I understand about the Jewish culture and that, you know, it, the scriptures come back to life. There's a reason the youngest asked the question at the Passover meal. There's a reason stories were told. Um, and I think there's value in, in that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think part of the problem is sometimes the way that we teach the Bible, it's, um, it's disjointed. So people don't, like you were saying, sometimes they feel like it's um, a magic book of <laughs> like mm -hmm. a, a genie in a bottle. You rub it <laughs> and you're uh -huh. going to get an answer, right? Mm -hmm. And um, there's a lot of information in the Bible for us to consider and to critically think about and reason about. But one of the problems is that we don't know what the Bible's about. Um, you know, so we don't know the, the grand story that's in there. And so that we can think critically on that grand story, the, the narrative of creation, fall and redemption, and how that applies to all of us, um, mm -hmm. what that story is about. Why did God need to provide redemption for mankind? Do you believe that? Do you believe that there is a problem um, in the world and that it comes back to human beings? And what Christians, the word Christians use is sin. You can also call it evil. 
uh, that, that people are constantly engaged in evil and that there is an answer to that and God has given an answer to that. Um, there's so much in the Bible about why that's there. Why is there evil in the world? How did we get to this point? Uh, does it make sense with our experience? Does, so what the Bible has to offer, does that make sense with our experience? And does the answer make sense with our experience? And a lot of what I found was, yes, it does. But see, we don't teach people to read the Bible through um, as the grand narrative. How does it all relate? How does it all come together? What did it mean for the people who were hearing it? I, I've seen the Bible a lot of times used um, in apologetics, um, taken out of context and used against, you know, as arguments against mm -hmm. Christianity, but, but not set in the context. And the people who hear those kind of arguments don't know how to combat it because they haven't studied the Bible in its context for what it was supposed to mean to the people who were receiving it. And, and I don't like to, I don't like to talk poorly about churches, especially after I wrote a book where I talked poorly about my experience in the church. But, but we're not teaching this sort of context of what is being said here, who's receiving it, how did they think about it? What does it mean to them? You know, and so that we can then think on, now how does that apply in a 21st century setting um, and what does that mean for 21st century people, which takes critical thought? Um, mm -hmm. We also don't engage people in um, thinking through some of the hardest questions that are being asked about Christianity, the objections to belief in God. Uh, instead, we do a lot of sheltering people from it. So we just will just teach them books of the Bible. And then we don't say, well, here's what your culture is asking about the Bible itself or um, can we trust it? Do science and faith go together? Are they opposed? You know, so we don't teach those questions that are relevant to our faith. But like you said, can't be found by just opening up the scripture and putting your finger down and reading a mm -hmm. passage. So there's it to me, it's a problem of how we view Christian education in the church. You know, we have a systematic approach to education in the public schools. And I taught in the public school. So I got to see that mm -hmm. firsthand. I was a part of that. And at the university, I will systematically teach things and how, you know, I have objectives. How are we going to reach those objectives? What does it look like when we reach those? But in the church, my experience is that we don't have that sort of systematic approach to how am I going to educate this congregation and so that they can think critically about their faith, about their relationship with God, that they can grow spiritually and they can grow in uh, their knowledge. And I think that's really left us with, um, I don't mean to be a broad sweep on this because there are churches that are doing great job at this. I just haven't had that experience myself. But um, I think you're, this is why you're seeing the deconversion stories. This is why you're seeing so many people leaving the church. They don't, they don't know what they're leaving. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times what they tell me they left, I say, well, that's, I don't believe that. Like the God you just described, I don't believe that as a Christian. Um, so I'm seeing a lot of people who don't actually know Christianity who are calling themselves former Christians. Mm -hmm. Does that make, I mean, so did I touch it, on your, your it, question? Very, very, very much so. Very much so. And my heart is just like stirring and burning in as you, as you talk. Um, because I, I think, I think the majority of our women that will be listening would be saying, Mary Jo, that's exactly my experience. That's exactly how I feel.
Ladies, this conversation with Mary Jo is so rich, we don't want to end here. So we will be back next week to dig deeper into how we can become better critical thinkers and draw closer to God to know him and to make him known. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast, and be sure to check out our show notes for links that Mary Jo mentioned. Ladies, if you're not following us, make sure you're following us on Facebook at Illinois Baptist Women, or come to our webpage at ibsa.org backslash women. Thank you for listening to the Priority Now podcast. Please continue to join us on the journey to know Christ and make Him known.